Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We're in the highest part of the Omicron surge. That's the issue. And when there's 20% positivity or higher, people are, are very concerned that they're going in talking about a vaccine evasive variant. The hospitalization risk among working age adults who have received a booster vaccine, it is literally near zero. There is no evidence in our schools throughout the whole semester, the whole entire semester, with all the complaints that, that existed about what we didn't have, the misinformation, that we saw any significant level of any transmission. It just we just didn't see it. So there you had a Chicago Teachers Union idiot, liar, <laughs> talking about all oh, the test positivity, blah, blah, blah. And then in the blue, blue city of Chicago, you had the Chicago Public School CEO and one of his medical advisors talking about, look, during this whole period that the teachers union has been saying, oh, you got to have this, you got to have that, you haven't done this, that, there hasn't been enough of that. We've seen no significant transmission. And by the way, they went on to say, or actually, they said first, even if there had been transmission among children, especially and working age adults, there's no risk anyway. I, this is this is the craziest thing I have witnessed in my entire life. Yeah. Well, luckily, it's becoming a minority opinion, even among Democrats, it would seem that closing the schools is a good idea. Biden doesn't want to close the schools. Eric Adams in New York doesn't want to close the schools. Well, and as long as we're talking about Chicago, here's the mayor of Chicago in clip number 30. I have to tell you, it feels like Groundhog Day. That we are here again at this hour, almost 8 p.m., after everything that we've gone through over the last two years with the CTU leadership. CTU leadership is compelling its membership to make a decision that will harm hundreds of thousands of Chicago families who rely upon CPS for their daily needs. Let's not go through this again. I don't want to be up here like it's Groundhog Day. I, I, I've been saying this for a long time. I don't know how some of these teachers unions people sleep at night. Honest to God, do you have no part of your soul that pictures a little kid at home, not learning, away from their friends. I mean, when Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, is saying you're out of whack, come on. You know, I think it's a beautiful part of you, Jack, part of your personality, that you're amazed by that. <laughs> I, I think it's 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 nice. It's it's a good thing. It's one of the reasons I, I'm I'm very fond of you. On the other hand, saying to the guy who's caving your head in with a hammer, how do you sleep at night? It's just, it's wasted breath. He sleeps fine. Those teachers union monsters, they sleep fine. So they are just making the cold, lizard-like calculation that this gives us more power and we can get more money this way? Bingo. That is unkind to lizards. <laughs> you need to apologize to lizards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They just don't care. I forget they who said not it. Care. Was it Biden? Somebody like that, kind of surprisingly to me, said the other day, We've given the schools lots of money, lots of money. Now it's time for them to do, you know, their bit, which is true. How many billions of dollars do you need for ventilation or masks or hand sanitizer, or whatever you're claiming it was for, do you need before you can freaking teach my kid? For a disease that's not going to kill any kids anyway. It's hardly even going to make them sick. Clip 37, Michael. We know that our kids can be safe when in school, by the way. That's why I believe schools should remain open. 
There's no evidence. Schools have been a major source of transmission. And even if they had, the kids are fine and the teachers are fine. What the frig are we even talking about? Lori Lightfoot, who calls Leon Trotsky a moderate, is up there saying, what are we doing? Why are the schools not open? So lead us up to this moment, though. So the teachers voted overwhelmingly yesterday to not go to school. They didn't show up today. The schools are open so they right. could show up, but they didn't show up. So now what happens? What, what, what's, what happens now? Lori Lightfoot said reverting to online schooling was unacceptable and unnecessary. Her administration decided to call off class altogether, keeping the buildings open for emergency child care rather than returning to virtual instruction. So Lori said, okay, uh, we'll open the buildings, but there's going to be no school. You're not going to force yeah. us into this phony-ass, nobody-learns-anything-virtual school. I've never liked the argument that is being made by the, some on the left is that there are kids that aren't getting the proper meals or they live in dangerous households. Okay, that's true on the margins, but that's not the reason schools exist right. to feed kids and keep them away from their evil parents. So I don't like that argument for why schools need to be open. It's perfectly adequate to say the schools need to be open to teach kids. That's a good enough reason. You don't need to come up with the drugs and gangs and meals and all that other crap. Right. You're right. Ms. Lightfoot writes the New York Times, a Democrat urged teachers to report to work and suggested they were considering an illegal work stoppage. As highly contagious Omicron rears its head, so do debates that were considered settled. Well, they are settled among anybody with a conscience and a couple of brain cells to rub together. Uh, like other school systems, Chicago has had to confront a shortage of tests. Doesn't matter. That's, that's the other thing, this obsession with testing. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. If you are a vaccinated person, less than 70 years old, Omicron doesn't mean spit to you. It doesn't, just according to the data. So the, uh, can you read that thing again? Because we did that for the local, uh, for our local segment. Can you read that thing again that I tweeted out? I don't have it in front of me because it it is so good. And it fits in with, uh, because I was running around trying to figure out a test for my son yesterday and, um, the the problem is the most recent information, and we've known this for a long time. I knew it from my own life. Those tests that you, if you can find one at the store and buy them, they really don't tell you much. If it if it tells you you've got it, you almost certainly have it. But if it tells you you don't have it, it's you haven't learned anything. There's a one in five chance you do. And then of and then of the test because I had COVID and I took like eight of those tests and never showed up positive once. But the tests that do work, the the accurate ones, you show up positive for three months. Yeah. Even after you've got it. So they don't do any good from a you can now go back to school or work standpoint. So right. between those two mm-hmm. things, it's really difficult to make the whole testing thing work. Back to my point, the obsession with testing. What the hell's the point of it? So we were talking about uh, this, uh, the show's based out of Cal Unicornia, as most of you know. And uh, California says you got to stay home for 10 days if you test positive. CDC saying, no, five days is plenty. Uh, California or the reporters asked the state, so have you changed? No, no, no. Still 10 days in California. <laughs> it's like the whole causes cancer in California stupidity. <laughs> Anyway, but I love this uh, this tweet from Tiffany C. Lee. Jack retweeted it. Stay indoors, but also return in person. Wear a mask. Not that one. The expensive one that you can't find. Take rapid tests, which you also can't find. But if you find them, don't buy them. Rapid tests don't work. You need PCR. There are zero appointments in your area. <laughs> and that is accurate. It's humorous, but it's it's pretty much exactly what my day was yesterday. 
In my last sentence, I swear to God, but we continue to abuse the children and we continue to ruin businesses based on superstition. So as this Omicron wave rolls over everybody and it's going to happen wherever you are, everybody's going to get it. I suppose different areas will handle it differently. If you follow the current rules, nobody's going to go to work. Nobody's going to go to school. There will be no firefighters or policemen or anybody at the hospital. For many months, yeah. No, probably for several weeks. For a couple of weeks. Yeah. But if you follow the rules, that's where we're all going to be. And that's undoable, right? I mean, even Boris Johnson in in, in, uh, England, he announced yesterday, no more shutdowns, no more this or that, no more these rules, because you just can't. It's undoable. Right. Right. You can't continue to function as a society. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, American uh, governors are saying that. Republicans, Democrats, plenty of Democratic governors have said the COVID hysteria is over. But the COVID fear cultists, and I'm not talking about people with legitimate concerns about a disease that's killed millions. I'm talking about the cultists. Well, they just, they won't quit. I'm just letting you all know, you got one more giant heaping help in a hysteria coming to wherever you are in the next day or so or week or so. They New York got hit first by Omicron, and yesterday they had their first tick downward in cases. So it looks like their two-week surge is over, but all the rest of us everywhere in the country are going to get hit with it and you know, look forward to the histrionics around all of it. Coronavirus! Hysteria is a great word. How about that? You can't catch it outside. How about that? Um, so, uh, and, and one final note I've just got to remind you, never forget, Chicago's Teachers Union back in December of 20. The push to reopen schools is rooted in sexism, racism, and misogyny. Okay? All right. Never forget. Uh, I like it when you call these people bad names. That's one of my favorite parts of the show. Someday when it's just a podcast and I can use foul language, you're going to hear, if you're a combat Marine, I'm going to bring you to your knees. I'm going to make you cry. The language I use to describe these people, I despise them so, so vehemently. Another example of it was FedEx for a while, then I think UPS had one, and now Amazon, where people just dump a whole bunch of packages in a ditch somewhere. Got another one of those stories. What is it with our delivery drivers? They just say, eh, I don't feel like it. Too many packages. I go back up to this ditch and just unload them all. How many packages you people need? (laughs) Uh, That and a bunch of other stuff on the way. Stay with us. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We have failed to touch on inflation yet this year, and that is, man, you talk about a story that we're all noticing and uh, is going to be with us for a while. Joe mentioned the price of bacon yesterday. It is moving up. Out of hand. The humble beef. Or anything. The burger. Please. Is corporate greed actually to blame for rising prices? So the dispatch took on that question. I'll hit you with some numbers here. We know we got inflation in a Wall Street Journal poll conducted in mid-November. 56% of respondents said rising costs were causing them major or minor financial strain. Boy, who are the rest of you? With another 32% say saying that they expect it too soon, even if it hasn't or not. Um, four out of five respondents in a December CNN survey described inflation as a major problem. Four out of five call it a major problem. That is a problem. 
So Tell you what, I'm grateful I don't have a house full of teenagers gobbling down, you know, 7,000 cal- calories a day. And here's, here's my question, Kellogg's, General Mills. How small can you make the cereal boxes? You've done a good job of keeping the prices <laughs> the same so we don't notice the price going up. But how small will the box get? At some point, will it be like a little postage stamp size box with a cornflake in it? Is that where it's headed? At the point that you need multiple boxes for one bowl of cereal, I think it'll be too far. Or i got to get a box that's got a couple of the grains in it and then a box that's got the raisin in it to have the raisin bran. <laughs> the boxes have gotten so small and they're so thin, they're like a, they're like a paperback book in terms of their depth. So that way they can keep the size bigger on the shelf, the price the same. Looking right. at it, you kind of feel like, okay, but it's so it's like an inch deep. But you pick it up at flexes like a piece of paper. It's hilarious. Anyway, back to this. Um, so originally the Biden people went with this a transitory, yeah, we are all, all feeling, but it's not going to last long. Then enough, well, first of all, it lasted long enough. Then enough economists came out and said, nah, I think this is going to be around for a while, that they had to switch to a different argument which has been the idea that uh, corporations are just gouging us. That's what they're doing. In late November, Senator Sherrod Brown argued that prices are high simply because corporations are raising them so they can keep paying themselves with even larger executive bonuses and stock buybacks. At the same time, Elizabeth Warren made a similar accusation. Corporations are exploiting the pandemic to gouge customers with higher prices from milk to gasoline. All right. Scott Lincecum who I follow uh, quite a bit on his Twitter account and that he's a Cato Institute economist. So he's a libertarian think tank economist sort of guy. He said that argument is 98% political. At the broadest level, it's nonsensical. Companies can charge higher prices and they can make higher profits only on the basis of willing customers and when willing consumers have the money to spend. If boosting corporate profits was as simple as jacking up prices, businesses and retailers would have done it years ago. Obviously! Sure, a pair of jeans would be $25,000. Obviously! If they could charge more and get you to buy it two years ago, they would have done it! What do you think out of the kindness of their heart? They're keeping the prices below market value just to or help it you out. Just occurred to them. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. Wait a minute, we can we can raise prices and just charge people whatever we want for this stuff. Yes, I mean, it's just, it's it's hilarious. And another thing that Scott Lincecum, this guy, yeah, it's and, hilarious. But there's a substantial part of the population that believes it. Jen Psaki said it from the podium. Oh yeah, the corporations are just they're just trying to make more money. All right. All right. It defies all logic, all logic. But go ahead. And like you said, some people are believing him. Uh, same Scott Linscombe, Cato Institute. I mentioned that again because that's a libertarian think tank. He wrote a long piece recently where he said even he is a libertarian economist had said early in the pandemic he thought it was a good idea that the government was controlling all these different things that had gotten so involved in so much of whether it's rents or prices for this or shutdowns or whatever. He, as a libertarian economist, thought that the pandemic was that bad and it was that unique a situation that he was on board with that. He says, in retrospect, he was completely wrong. It did more harm than good. There would have been a lot of ugliness and bumps along the way if the government had backed off and let this play out. But in the long run, seeing where we are now would have been much better just to let the chips fall where they may. 
How interesting. And, and yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of the next level interesting is here's a guy with uh, principles that are, are, are developed over the course of many, many years and study, and he's a crazy smart guy and the rest of it. And when a scare came and people said, no, you have to abandon your principles. It's an emergency. He said, yes. Yeah, you're probably right. Okay. Okay. That's it. Shows you how powerful an emergency or a crisis is. Yeah. Manipulating like, people. Like the current argument about, uh, uh, delaying paying back college student loans even more. So we've been putting off, you don't have to make your loan payment, and they're talking about putting it off any longer. And uh, Larry Summers, economist under, was he under Clinton? Clinton's guy? Um, uh, went to Harvard, or is a Harvard professor. He said, hey, look, the we ended the, the whole rent thing. Remember, you couldn't boot anybody out. You couldn't evict anybody. We ended the eviction thing, and there has not been a mass swell of evictions Everything worked out fine. He said, I think the same thing will happen with student loans. If you start making people pay their loans back, there aren't going to be mass defaults and people starving in the streets. I think everything will be fine. Exactly. This whole controlling everything from the top thing. Oh, I can't believe we let this experiment run as far as it has. The fact that we're continuing it is painful. You know, I think we need to get hip to the fact that every time there's a crisis of any sort, we're on the alert. For the hucksters, for the fraud merchants, for those who would control us or whatever. For, don't worry about the crisis per se. Worry about the con men coming along with it. Yeah, I hope we've learned a lesson. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A judge has dismissed a lawsuit against the surviving members of Nirvana. Spencer Eldon was just a baby when he was featured on this album cover for the band's 1991 album, Nevermind. Last year, he sued the band and Kurt Cobain's estate. He said they used his image without consent, and it could even be considered child pornography. The judge dismissed the lawsuit yesterday after Eldon missed a deadline to prove the defense was wrong. If that numb nut had ended up with any money, I was probably just going to park my car in the garage. Close the door and leave it run. <laughs> of course, I drive a Tesla. I'd just be there till the battery went down. But I, I, come on, dude! I you were know. you were not harmed in any way. You're fine. You've always been fine. You've actually profited from it, but now you're down and out. So you want some money from people who got money. Everybody wants money. You know what he right? thought, and it's probably a decent calculation was. Nirvana, the record company, everybody that they're so wealthy and made so much money off that album. They kicked me. $20,000 to get me to shut up would be nothing for them. Yeah. But luckily, a judge said, no, you don't get nothing. Yeah, well, and then the whole he missed a right. deadline to file the paperwork. Nice job, me. That doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> shout ne'er-do-well at all. <laughs> uh, speaking of ne'er-do-wells, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the majority leader of the Senate, Chuck Schumer. They want to make this country into a banana republic, where if you don't get your way, you change the rules. Now, as much as I like bananas, nobody wants a banana republic in America. What is he raving about? Well, the Democrats want to get through this so-called voting rights bill, which uh, the moderate Democrats don't like so much, but might sign on for, maybe. Uh, but the Dem- but the Republicans won't. And, and to my mind, it is a dangerous bill that will make it so 
that will so undermine people's faith in ballot security that it would be a terrible, terrible thing for the republic. And he can't get any Republicans to go along. So in the Senate, you need 60 votes to go forward with debate. It's known as the filibuster. You've heard about this, right? And so because they can't get any Republicans to sign on to this, in my opinion, bad idea, Schumer is talking again about ending the filibuster. Okay, But what was that clip? Was that talking about Republicans who won't end the filibuster? No, my friends. Interestingly enough, it's the opposite. Chuck Schumer from 2005 talking about the Republicans discussing ending the filibuster. Clip 73, Michael. The ideologues in the Senate want to turn what the founding fathers called the cooling saucer of democracy into the rubber stamp of dictatorship. They want to change the rules in midstream, to wash away 200 years of history. They want to make this country into a banana republic. It'll be a doomsday for democracy if we do. I'd like to edit that clip so every time he says they, he says I. I want a banana republic. I want to tear up history. How does anybody stay engaged in politics? Oh, and he's, no. he's one of the most powerful people in the country. Uh, leader of the freaking U.S. Senate. And there you've got an example of, and this is common with people in both parties, um, of just saying the opposite of what he's saying now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess they just hope people don't pay attention. Yeah, or people don't remember, or uh, young voters. Here's a quiz for you. Why are young voters so prized? Well, it's a couple of reasons. Number one, it's brand loyalty. Once you declare yourself something, it's tough to drag people off. That. Coke whether and Pepsi. Coke, right, whether it's Coke and Pepsi or uh, Miller Lite, Bud Light, or uh, Republican Democrat. The second reason is young voters are easier to dupe. Well, they haven't. They haven't go ahead. I mean, you haven't lived through this enough times to get cynical. Right, you you'll, haven't seen Chuck Schumer flip-flop 11 times. You'll get cynical, trust me, if you're paying attention. I don't know how you wouldn't end up cynical about politicians. Um, I guess I guess what it comes down to is we all know there's a giant chunk on both sides are going to vote their party almost certainly, and you're just trying to deal with that chunk in the middle that doesn't pay as much attention? And it? get the young voters. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, and, and I sympathize with the young voters. I'm not belittling young people. I was exactly the same if you're a younger voter listening. Uh, I was exactly the same. It's not a lack of character. It's just a lack of experience. How many times in your life do you deal with somebody who, whether it's in a, in a meeting or a personal relationship or whatever, would yell at you, this is incredibly important. I don't understand why we will lose our family if we don't blah, 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 blah. And they're completely phony. They're 100% making it up. How often do you deal with somebody like that? Never, never, ever. Well, if you ever do, you drum them out of your life as fast as you can get them. Sure. It's amazing that it works as well as it does for politicians to do a complete 180, even when there's video of, of you saying the opposite. Were it only Chuck Schumer, that would be amusing, but uh, we have a, a, a bit of a, uh, a montage of prominent Democrats during that same time period or similar time periods talking about Republicans discussing ending the filibuster for judges, for instance. This is clip number 75. I'll bet you'll, you'll uh, recognize several of these voices. If Republicans roll back our rights in this chamber, there will be no check on their power. And I pray God when the Democrats take back control, we don't. Make the kind of naked power grab you are doing. I urge 
all of us to think not just about winning every debate, but about protecting free and democratic debate. So as Barack Obama and Joe Biden and Harry Reid all that believed you gotta you gotta keep the filibuster, and they're right. You do have to. It, it's it's a terrible idea. To Mitch McConnell's credit on this issue, he has held firm because Trump was begging him to get rid of the filibuster so they could jam stuff through, and McConnell held held firm on it. Are you trying to tell me Obama's saying if you like your filibuster, you can keep your filibuster? <laughs> Uh, that's pretty funny. Now you know. Never forget. <laughs> just, just to be fair and to show what happens on both sides, McConnell has been a little more pliable on the when a president can appoint a Supreme Court justice in their term has well, kind of I gone with my mind, <laughs> whichever seemed appropriate at the time. For instance, oh yes, yeah. nakedly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but absolutely. it's different now because we're in charge. Well, because I can is the answer to so many questions in politics. Speaking of politics, if we hadn't just had a two-week vacation, I would be arguing to take tomorrow off, as tomorrow is January 6th, the one-day anniversary of the riot at the Capitol, and the way it's going to be handled by the vast majority of the media is going to drive me freaking berserko. Oh, yeah. And and because the Democrats are in charge of D.C. at this point, they're having a big moment of silence and all these different sort of things. And they, they want January 6th to be as big as possible because they think it tars. And it was a horrible event, so I can understand why they're reasoning. Uh, but they think it, it you know it's going to tar Republicans, so they're making it as big a deal as possible. I suppose we'll talk more about it tomorrow, so I won't use up all my ammo on that for today. But Donald Trump canceled a planned news conference for tomorrow that was going to be an s show i guarantee you oh please <laughs> dogs and ponies are you kidding and more oh just from from all every angle you can think of it was going to be something i was, I was almost looking forward to it. i mean it's going to be very entertaining i'll bet it, jim acosta was fully turgid at the idea of showing up and reliving the good old days yeah trump was going to have a news conference on the anniversary of january 6th at mar-a-lago inviting all the big media and take their questions. And you know how the way Trump does it, he'd probably take in their questions for hours. Oh, sure. Until people ran out of questions to ask. And uh, But anyway, I, and I don't know what convinced him not to do it. Unless it's one of those Trump things that he was never planning to do it, and he just likes poking people with a stick, which he certainly does. Because they got everybody talking, oh my God, can you believe this? Um, but he has decided not to do that, and he's going to address it at a rally at a, at a coming date. But So there you go on that. Yeah, and, it, and part of it was that he just didn't think he could get anything close to a fair hearing, which is which is true. And I read Trump's statement, and as usual, I thought part of it was just ridiculous, but part of it was actually some really, really good points about some of the, uh, well, the selective narrative around the events of the day. I got stuff to say about it, but I suppose we'll do it tomorrow, because everybody's going to be talking about it tomorrow. Yeah, I suppose so. Why not? Um... Yeah. Oh, you know what? Okay, now that's the freaking uh, Chinese bat virus again. We don't want to talk about that more. Oh, I had this. I knew I had one more thing I wanted to jam in. Before we do our last segment, which is always our best segment, we finish strong. Now, did we, oh, yeah. we did get a text that said yesterday's show was one of your best ever. Today sucks. Can you find some middle ground? Um, I, I just think we unplugged the text line. I, I was just, thinking about that. I just, you know... To each their own, but just, it's... Sure. Like, I turned on Tucker last night. I, I watched Tucker every night. Turned it on. I wasn't digging what he had to say. I switched to something else. Didn't even occur to me to write him a letter or a text or anything like that about what I thought An of his program. Angry, heartfelt, how dare you email. Anyway, right? yeah. 
Uh, The Washington football team, which used to be known as the Washington Redskins, has announced that they're going to reveal their new name on February 2nd. February 2nd is Groundhog's Day. Did they pick that for a reason? Has that got anything to do with the name, I wonder? That they picked Mm, Groundhog's Day for the name. It's probably just the Monday after the championship games or something like that. You might be right. You might be right. After the conference championships, it's just a guess. Uh, there are a bunch of different names in the running, including just sticking with their name, the Washington football team, which I think is actually kind of cool. I uh, I think I'd vote for that. But A lot of uh, uh, the, were the capital or defense of the nation sort of different. The Washington Armada, yes. I know, is on the list, or other names like that. The so, Washington Presidents. Nothing could matter less to me than what they decide to do, but they'll reveal that in February. You know, the the Washington football team, WFT, I mean, lends itself to some good headlines when they play badly. Yeah. I think you're way ahead of me here. You know, WTF, WFT. Please, the Washington Post would run that next week. We'll finish strong and take a look at your text at 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Guys, get this. Uh, Mercedes just unveiled a new electric concept car that's made from sustainable materials like mushrooms, cacti, and food scraps. If you thought Tesla owners were annoying, just wait for a guy whose electric car is also vegan. I gotta say, it's not the best feeling when you know that your seatbelt is made of fruit roll-ups. Jeez. Um... So I haven't read this Ann Applebaum piece in the Atlantic about Russia-Ukraine, but it's getting a lot of attention. Uh, she's, a, she's a well-known writer on that uh, sort of stuff, that part of the world. She's written a number of books about it. Um, I don't, I've used up all my free Atlantic articles, though, and I don't subscribe. Oh, I'll, uh, I'll delve into it. Where's my pen? There we go. I'll, I'll, anyway, I'll uh, she talks about how... Uh, Americans and Europeans seem to be uh, bent on making sure there's no violence and handling it through sanctions, while the people of Ukraine are saying there has been violence the entire time, and there's violence right now. So we, uh, there's a bit of a disconnect going on there. But Ann Applebaum writes in The Atlantic that Biden seems to understand that violence might be unavoidable, and he has promised to reinforce Ukraine's military in the event of an uh, invasion. The question, though, is, uh, and according to the foreign minister of Ukraine, if Washington sees the threat is imminent, then the best time to give us more military support to reinforce our armed forces is now, not after the invasion begins. In fact, the best time to give Ukraine more significant military support would have been eight years ago, or five years ago, or three years ago. If the U.S. Has done, had done so, then there would be a lesser threat or no threat of a Russian invasion now. That's a pretty decent argument. If you think this is going to happen and you're promising military help, why are you waiting? And why yeah, why didn't you before? You don't have to go to Sun Tzu or Winston Churchill to understand that the greatest way to avoid war is to be so powerful nobody dares. Right, right. That's what we're trying to pull off with China and Taiwan is that there'd be just too big a price to pay so that they won't, won't want to. But Yeah, it's an interesting calculation. Well... 
Biden's old boss, Obama, didn't want to help and uh, sent no help, and they got invaded, and it just stuck. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a mismatch or imbalance in national interest. We have kind of an interest in Russia not going wild over certain parts of Europe, but Russia has a hell of an interest in expanding their territory and settling old disputes. I did a fair amount of reading about this over the break. Um, I not I know not everybody's as into this sort of topic as I am, but the 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 decision that needs to be made is: is this just is it is it located to that one area? Russia invades Ukraine. He's interested in that. Has nothing to do with us. Doesn't even have anything to do with Germany, really. Blah blah blah. Let it go. Or is this the big test for the world order and is going to be seen by autocrats all around the world? Of are there new rules now? Are there new rules now? You can invade other countries. You can just take land. Is the old game back on? Where you can just you're a one African country or you're one Asian country or whatever. You want that? You just can take it. Are these the new rules again? Awesome. Game on. What do you mean, new rules? Signed Iraq. Huh? Come on. Right. You see my point? Right. <laughs> right. But, you I know, mean, Iraq invaded Kuwait, and the world came together with, like, 80 countries and said, no, this is not allowed. Countries do not get to invade other countries. No, that's not what we do. That hasn't been that way for 100 years. Right, unless there's a huge consensus it's the right thing to do. Right. Sure. Well, but are we about to let Putin declare to the world that, no, those, those, that, those games are back on. You take whatever you can, and nobody's going to stop you. Well, I just can't believe Putin would, uh, you know, uh, do so in the face of what John Kerry said, that it's a 19th century act in a 21st century world. That was strong stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's up with Tucker Carlson. He referred to it last night as a minor border dispute. Yeah, I heard that, too. I, I don't what agree with him on with that him? point. I don't know. No. See, uh... Getting some rubles under the table? I don't know. What? <laughs> Did you just imply that Tucker Carlson, the most watched cable news host in the world, I was just is asking. in the employ of the Russian government? I was just asking. I don't know. I don't, that can't be. That was for the purposes of mirth purely, folks. Everybody calm down. It is now my incredible privilege to present final thoughts with this moron armstrong and getty mr president sir thank you here's your host for final thoughts joe getty all right let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day it's our tradition around here there he is pressing the buttons in the control room our technical director michelangelo michael final thought yeah this year my wife and i we put christmas lights up outside our condo and it looks really cool but i forgot how hard they are to take off yeah so I might be one of those people that just keeps them up all year long. Taking them down is sure not as much fun as putting them no, up. No, it isn't. Get up on the ladder and lean way over there to reach them. That's the key. <laughs> um, young Alex is our behind-the-scenes producer. He has a final thought for us. Alex? Yeah, I don't know if anyone saw this over the weekend, but the NHL had a game outside in Minneapolis, and it was close to negative nine at faceoff. Ooh. They had to heat the ice to have optimal playing conditions. The irony in saying they had to heat the hockey rink is just sticking wow. with me today. Well, in some years past, they played in places that were not nearly cold enough, and it was just mush. They were skating around in slush. <laughs> Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Yeah, I'll piggyback on what Michael was talking about, because I'm still, I've got most of the Christmas decorations down. 
and everything like that. It's just that that's just not a good task. Maybe I'll hire somebody for that in the future. The putting them up, that's exciting and everything that goes along with it. But the taking it down is just I don't know. It's tedious and it's sad. Yeah, the combination of tedious and sad. I was going to tweet about that, but I was too sad. (laughs) My final thought is actually related to our One More Thing podcast, which we record four days a week. You can get it at armstrongandgetty.com or wherever you like to get podcasts. Uh, The popular pet names of 2021 are out, and the fastest rising name for dogs is Fauci. (laughs) Fauci. I thought you were going to say Muhammad. Now, I've never been in favor of kicking a dog. I wouldn't do it. But if my dog is named Fauci, boy, I'd be tempted. Hail Fauci! Hail Fauci! Come on. You told pollsters that. Nobody's actually naming their dog Fauci, are they? That's where you're wrong, sir. All right, well, I'm going to name my dog my cat DeSantis. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com, would you? You can drop us an email. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. If there's something we ought to be talking about, send it along. My other dog, Brandon. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. We're not sending an unclear message. Are you they want to make this country into a banana republic. And I'm not going to be a part of doing that. Let's not go through this again. So stop it. Stop it. Stop it right now. I'm disappointed. That we're having this conversation again. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. What the American people need is a break. Let's go, Brandon. I said, screw it. I'm leaving. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.